0: My scripture this morning is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10, verses 40-42. through 42. And again, as I told you before, we've decided that we're going to be ahead in the lectionary schedule because, well, that's just how we operate, ahead of everything. But today, we are reading it, and uh, I, I, uh, if you'd like to follow along, it is found in your pew Bibles on page 10 in the New Testament section. Whoever welcomes you welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one Of these little ones in the name of a disciple. Truly, I tell you, none of those or these will lose their reward. May God bless the reading of God's Holy Scripture. Amen. I struggled this morning as I was putting the last bit of my touches on my sermon because uh, after being on the river with a bunch of Boy Scouts, one of the things that happens is, is that you find yourself Telling stories at the end of the day. And so what would happen is is that the stories would get bigger and bigger and bigger. You you know, it's kind of like fishing. You, You go out fishing. And you start off with, I caught a fish this big. And they look at your hands and they're like, oh my goodness. and dry it in less than five minutes. At one point, it rained for 30 seconds, and it rained and it hit the ground as it was so hot that it caused steam to come up off the rocks and boil our legs. And I'm not joking. It was so hot. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the boys would get together and we'd all sit around in a circle and our river guide would start Valley and the Comanche Indians, and those like uh, those that had started wagon trains, and those that had started cattle trains and cattle drives, and the world that we were living in that had spent decades before us on this exact same river. So, you'll have to forgive me if I go into storytelling mode this morning like this. There once was a kid who owned a general store who made it a habit to offer a verse of scripture whenever anyone purchased something from him. Now, a group of people who sat around the store, you know, those are the coffee drinkers in this rural area, enjoyed the exchanges because some of the purchases challenged the imagination and, frankly, the store owner's honesty. In the winter, it just so happened a Texan stopped by wanting to buy a blanket for his horse. And the locals knew that the store only stocked two types of blankets one sold for $60 and the second sold for $89.95. He showed the second type of blanket, which cost $89.95, to the stranger. And the stranger looked at him in the face and said, that's not good enough. Don't you understand? This is for my horse. And nothing is too good for my horse. Now show me your most expensive blanket. Well, the store became very quiet. As the storekeeper reached under the counter and pulled out a plaid blanket and spread it on the counter with great finesse. This this is our finest blanket. It's the only one I have like it. It's color fast. It's 100% wool with a very tight weave. It sells for only $250. Now you're talking, the stranger said. I'll take it. He counted out the money, folded the blanket, left with the biggest grin on his face. And as the shopkeeper opened the cash drawer and carefully counted the money, he said, Matthew, chapter 25, verse 35. Of course, it was an altered version, you see. He was a stranger, and I took him in. <laughs> Just wanted to make sure you are awake. <laughs> now, today's lesson is about hospitality. And this is obviously not an example of what to do. Christian hospitality is not about getting all that we can from the stranger. It is about giving the stranger a break, opening our hearts and our arms to those that we do not know. But often this is not true of us. I mean, if we're being completely truthful, religion is often just another way of getting our own way. A technique for justifying behavior that is frankly sometimes self-serving and just downright rude. How well do our communities of faith welcome outsiders? How is the giving and receiving of hospitality vitally linked to Jesus, you might ask? I mean, so many of these questions emerged so early on in the first century, like Didache in the the early, in 90, he he writes concerning teachers, apostles and prophets, let every apostle comes to be received as the Lord. But he shall not remain for more than one day, Didache says. Or two days, if there's a need, he can stay. But if he remains three days, he is a false prophet. If the, the prophet asks for money, uh, he is a false prophet. And whoever says in the spirit, give me money or something else, you shall not listen to him. Now understand, Didache is talking about specifically teachers, apostles, and prophets, those that are focused primarily on teaching in the name of Jesus. This is the Gospel of Matthew. Now, this should matter to you, because Didache is written about the same time as the Gospel of Matthew. So even in the first century, they're struggling as to what does hospitality mean to the stranger that's in our midst or the stranger that we've come across? How does one share this sense of hospitality? In the third century, we struggle with it some more, with a gentleman by the name of Didascalia. He says, if a destitute man or woman, either a local person or traveler, arrives unexpectedly, especially one of older years, and there is no place, you, Bishop, a.k.a. Presbyteros, make such a place with all of your heart, even if yourself, this is my part that I loved about the third century, such beautiful writing, even if you yourself should sit on the ground that you may not show any favoritism among human beings, but that your ministry may be pleasing before God. Man, did they get it in the 4th century, we don't know who wrote this, but there's a phrase that it says these two are equal. One receives a prophet and one receives a righteous person. But the one who suffers for God's sake and the other one who suffers for gives refreshment for God's sake. Jesus says, so I am welcome and so also is the Father who sent me. So it's by implication and application. To welcome a prophet is to share the rewards of that prophet. And to welcome good and godly folk is to receive a blessing on par with their own. Now the part that I struggle with in this passage of Matthew, which I typically do with Matthew, is he says, well, you can lose that reward. There is some truth to that. If you start doing things to be a blessing, to bring attention to yourself, then it's, is it really a blessing at that point? You know, the hardest part about turning my phone on after a week was I started getting all these text messages from the Ministerial Alliance guys saying, Hey, what a great article in the paper about you. Man, I'm telling you. I was like, what kind of, what are are you talking about? I knew that they were coming to talk with me. Kayla came the week before I went to camp. She says, I'm just here to talk with you. You were my very first interview, and you had just moved to Perry. Man, what a humbling experience. I never expected her to write the article, and I never expected her to say the things that she did. But it's hard. I'm in a place of being in the public. People see me all the time. The hardest part about this and the story is, how do you do these things for the glory of God and continue to make that a blessing for other people? I don't do anything for me. It also doesn't make me any better than any of Matthew is talking about two specific things. We come with a sense of yearning to the place of the divine. You're asking me, what does that mean? When a stranger comes into our midst, whether it's in church or in in the world, there's something that drew them there that only can come from God. I need you to hear me say that. When someone is drawn to you for whatever reason, whether it's at worship on Sunday, or they come talk to you on the side of the street, something brought them to you. That is a yearning from God. That's what the Gospel of Matthew writer is talking about here. God-shaped vacuums, guests, strangers, being welcomed, welcoming. And we all yearn to experience that hospitality, but very few realize that that yearning is God implanted. Even God yearns to be welcomed and included in our lives and in the creation. This is what the Gospel of Matthew writer is talking about. So if there's a sense of yearning, there also has to be a sense of welcoming. You remember last week when I talked about, well, two weeks ago when I talked about that reader as soon as you walked in the door, hi, we're so glad to see you, and you're like, just give me the bulletin, let me sit in the back of the sanctuary. That person happens when we welcome one another. God welcomes us. It happens when we welcome the outsider, when we welcome the new seeker of God, when we welcome the lifelong Christian, when we welcome those that have children, those that are finding themselves I just was walking down the street, and I heard the organ through the windows, and I just had to see what was going on. But not just here, you see. It has to happen out there. Otherwise, what are we doing? Are we all just getting in one boat? Are we all just equipping ourselves for the same journey? There's something to be learned on a canoe trip that I had forgotten. When you go on a canoe trip with multiple people, especially for multiple days, you have to carry each other's gear. So that means that you carry their water, you carry their food, you carry their tents, and they're carrying yours, because you split it up amongst each other so that Those that might not be able to take the weight can take less than. Those that can carry more on their shoulders can carry it for those that can't. You you find ways of working together in such a manner that you have to do it together in order to finish the goal. And you find yourself welcome each other. You extend hospitality to one another. You watch for each other as they're struggling. Hey, do we need to pull over so you can get some water? Do you need some more sunblock? What can I do to make sure you're okay? My job on the river is to keep them alive from the moment we get on and even after they get off. a lot like church. We're in this big boat together. And we have been given all the tools and the talent and the gifts and graces and it's all sitting right here in these pews to help others that are outside of our boat. And our mission is to grab those that we find in the water that are drowning and they're being brought to us as we pass by them in our journeys of life. As we're floating along our own rivers. I know it sounds corny, But it really stuck with me this last week. As I'm coming to an end, I recognize how addicted I have become to technology and how addicted I've become focused in on Checking my phone and checking all this all the time, and and uh, you know, it's because I've I've been so on activated mode since March of twenty twenty that I I kept telling myself if I just if I if I have it right next to me, somebody might need me in an instant, which is true. I mean, like you all know, I I am the all over place kind of person. But I had forgotten the most important part about being a follower of sense of taking time to live in the midst of silence giving myself the ability to allow and welcome God's presence into my own life and to seek that place of your name. so in finality I want I want to read to you a story of, from a guy by the name of Henry now who is one of my uh, very strong influences throughout seminary and life. He's, he's known as the wounded servant. He was a Catholic priest. He's, he's just this really great guy. And he inspired me all the way through seminary and uh, to stop what I was doing and go on silent retreats and turning off my phone. And I've just gotten out of the habit of it. And I'm going to reclaim that in my life. But he goes... To a monastery for a retreat where the monks were observing a vow of silence. But like life, he was delayed by other commitments and was late getting to the monastery on a miserable rainy night. Of course, he walks up to the monastery, he rings the bell after bedtime, and was met at the door by one of the brothers who warmly greeted him, took off his took his wet coat, and brought it to the kitchen and where he promptly gave Henry uh, a cup of tea. Then they started to chat, laid into the night. Eventually, and finally began to relax and felt ready for the retreat. But then all of a sudden, he knew this monk was supposed to observe his vow of silence. So he asked finally, why are you willing to talk to him? The monk replied that all of the rules of the Christian faith, there is nothing higher than the one that, which requires us to be hospitable, to offer someone a drink of cold water in the rough seas of life. I think that might be a good rule for us to follow as well. Now, we might not observe a vow of silence or live in a monastery, but we certainly have our own rules as well. And there are many things that we do religiously, but nothing should ever take precedence over the call to welcome others.